Hello there, this interview that you're about to hear was originally done by me, Sam Roscoe or Chris Prince for the Blue Moon podcast sometime between 2009 and now. That means if there's anything that sounds a bit out of date or if there's anything that's an obvious topic that we've not asked the guest about, it's probably because the interview is from a long time ago. This show is basically the Blue Moon podcast interview archive. All of the new interviews that we do with former City players and managers will go live on the Blue Moon podcast first, so if you like what you hear then please go and subscribe to that and there's a new show every Friday with a look at everything on and off the pitch for City. But for now enjoy the end of this generic recorded message and enjoy the interview with the person whose name is in the title of this episode. Obviously excitement, it was a big occasion, we'd worked hard all all year to get to where obviously we we thought we'd get promoted without going through the playoffs, obviously um, didn't happen so Obviously, it was more like excitement and everything, but a bit, being honest and truthfully, a bit of disappointment as well, because obviously I wasn't starting. So, I mean, you you knew you weren't starting from uh, from you know the time you arrived at Wembley. How did I mean? How did how did you react to that? Um, luckily, I had a, Joe told us uh, a couple of days before that I weren't going to be playing anyway, so I knew. I knew so I had time to get rid of the disappointment it was a big game it's a team game so you want to do well even though you're not playing you still want your mates to do well and you still want to get promoted so obviously the disappointment had gone and um, we all rallied round and the rest of the say is history Well I mean you um, you came off the bench in the second half for, uh, for Andy Morrison is it is it difficult to join a game like that? Um, I think you can see from the two goals I think yeah, I've not really I've never really watched the, watched the game, the whole game, but um, I think I was involved in both of their goals. So um, you could say that's from coming on and being not being fully from the, not being fully on it from the start and everything. But I think it's just one of them things. It's, it's like you say, Andy had took an injection before the game. Um, obviously, he got through 45 minutes and then I think he started to struggle a bit. So the gaffer put me on. How, uh, what did what did Joe say to you as uh, as you're on the touchline? What did it, what, what were his uh, his words of wisdom before you before you joined the action? To be fair, I can't really remember. It's just, I'm not just I'm not just saying that I can't really remember. It was one of them days that did happen in a flash, and like you look back and you try and remember things, and things come back to you every now and again. But it did it did happen in a blur. So like, like you mentioned there, they, they scored two quite quick goals towards the end of the game. Um, when the first one went in, when, uh, when Carlos Arba uh, scored that, that first goal, what was, what was your reaction to that? I mean, what, what, how were you feeling at the time? We've, um, with Willie Donaghy, Willie Donaghy used a lot of mental and um, psychological things. So we were, we were always taught, like, you play until the final whistle. And then obviously Carlos Arba scored. We had, we had the never-say-die attitude. I think um, that obviously proved the way the game ended up. And um, so when he scored, we always knew we could score goals. Obviously, it's disappointing to concede a goal, but with that never die attitude, is what got us all the way through to penalties. Do you think it, it, it was it was that that kind of made sure the team's head stayed up when the second one went in? Because I mean, you think three minutes left to go, you're thinking, well, it's it's game over, surely. Game's 90 minutes, 95 minutes, however long that referee plays, you've got an opportunity to get down the other end and nick a goal. And um, fortunately, uh, Kevin Orlock scored, and then obviously Dickey got his as well. So, game's not over till till the referee blows his whistle. 
they took um, Bob Taylor and Carlos Sauber off thinking he'd won and maybe it was a wrong decision by their manager, they should have probably kept him on but it just gave us that extra little boost and obviously we went on and we should have won it in uh, extra time, it shouldn't have got to penalties but that was the nature of the beast and eventually we got there. Do you think um, when, when Kevin Hort scored that, that goal to make it 2-1? At that point, did you think, oh, we've left it too late, or were you, or were you thinking, actually, no, you know, we've got enough time? No, because I think, yeah, I think when Kev scored, I think the linesman put the board up saying there was uh, an extra five minutes or something along them lines. So it's like I said to you before, Willie, Willie installed in us all that you play till the end, and I think a lot of the games that season, we uh, we scored late goals. We were like every game we played that year, it was everyone's cup final when they played against City. We, we took. Thousands of fans everywhere we went. Games were like uh, postponed by 15, 20 minutes to get the city fans in. So, like we were playing away games and they were like home games because city fans were everywhere. They were amazing. And um, so we had that, like I say, we had that attitude. We'll play for 90 minutes, 95 minutes, 90, 97 minutes, however long it was. We'd give 110 percent until the end. And when uh, when the ball hit the net from uh, from Dickoff, did you, you did you did you have a good view of it? Did you do you remember what you what, what you could see at the time? Just remember, Wembley's a long pitch to run after somebody, and um, it was a long way to run. But like you say, got, got us got us to um, extra time, and uh, I think in extra time because they took um, Carlos Arbor and Bob Taylor off, it was all one way traffic. Did you find it? Uh, during extra time, right, bearing in mind that that city had, had uh, kind of been going all out attack for the for the last few minutes of the of normal time, did you find that all of a sudden you had you know control of the game from from nothing? I just think what I can remember. I just think that, uh, like I say, I've not even watched. I've never watched the game. I've never. I don't even think I've ever seen the the, the extra time. And what I can remember, I'm thinking that we were on top most of it. And like I say, they took their two goal goal threats off. So I don't even think they had a striker up front in the uh, extra time. You'll probably know better than me. And um, all I can remember is that I think we had all all of the uh, play in the um, extra time, but couldn't score. I think we it was like attack, 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 and we just couldn't we just couldn't get past uh, Vince Bartram. What what do you remember the fans on that day? Do you, I can't, I can't remember the fans disappearing and coming back. I've obviously I've read about it and I've heard about it, but um, just remember I can remember like yeah, when Nicky Weaver saved the penalty and we've all run after him and we've jumped on him and the celebration with the fans. It's just one of them things that you're never going to forget. You'll you'll take to your grave. It's just you can't put it in words. I've got goose pimples now thinking about it. It's just it was like it makes your hair stand up and it's something you can't put into words. It was amazing. Now you mentioned penalties there. Were you down to take one? I would have took one if it had got to it, I'd have, I'd have took one. I weren't in the first five, but if it had got there, I'd have, I wouldn't have had a problem taking one. But um, luckily, I, I didn't have to. Now, what, what, what were you feeling? I mean, everybody in the halfway line, it's, it's one man against another, you know, half a pitch away. How, how do you view that as a player? I think, um, for me, I'll always remember Dickie, because he was the best penalty. We'd, we'd practised uh, in little goals at Main Road um, the day before. And Dickie was smashing them past Nicky Weaver, left, right, and centre. And uh, so you, I think everyone would have put the mortgage on Dickie scoring him from to hit both posts and um, him not go in. I think it was incredible because he'd have been the one person you'd have expected to score. But 
they'll have to suffer penalties well and like I say luckily for us we went on and won the game now that uh, that game, I think, will go down in in City's history as one of the greatest comebacks. It, it you know it was followed 14 years later by another great City escape in the last few minutes. Uh, do you think it's something about Manchester City that that has that never say die attitude? I think the City fans know City never do anything easy. It's always it's always been that they've always had like um, they leave everything to the last minute. I, call, I called it I called it the year that they won. I said like they'd probably do it by scoring in the last minute. I wish I'd put a bet on it now. and Because um, I'd spoke to a few people, I'd done an interview and I'd said in the interview that um, I can see them being behind and coming back and scoring in injury time like what happened at Wembley to win the Premier League. Like I say, I wish I'd put a few quid on it because obviously that's the way it went. How much do you think that Wembley game was the start of, of the resurgence of City? Um, People always say to you, like, where would the club have been if we didn't win that game? And it's one of them ones you, can't, you don't know because we won the game and we just went forward from then on. Um, went on and won uh, promotion straight after that, that year. So it was two back-to-back promotions, put us uh, back in the Premier League. So you can't really, you can't really say. People, or people always say if it wasn't for that year, where would the club be today? So it was a big, was a big game. Were you aware of, of kind of like the pressures from from uh, I don't know maybe the boardroom or something about the financial difficulties the club could be in? Um, no, we just like I say Willie Donaghy in, installed a lot of um, mental stuff into us, and all we were bothered about was playing for ninety minutes, ninety-five minutes, however long it was, and never giving up until the final whistle went. And um, as you can see. Luckily, we had, we all had that strong mental attitude, and um, we all stuck together. Even though we went two nil goal, two goals down, we uh, stuck together and we went on and like got the result that all the city fans wanted. And that uh, that team spirit, I mean, that team spirit must have been what what carried the club up, you know, through the divisions. So, what what a word on that? What what did you what do you remember of that team? There was not not being disrespectful to anybody, but there was no superstars in the team. We were all just like hard, solid, working lads, and like um, we just we just all grafted for each other. If one got to, if one got it, the next one would come in and jump in and help him out, and we'd fight, to, we'd win together, and we'd lose together. And uh, that's how we were. We backed each other up in tackles. If it all went off, we were all in it together. If it went off in the tunnel, if it went off on the pitch, we were, one was in, we were all in, and that's that's the spirit we had. Now I want to take you back as well to uh, the playoff semi-finals against Wigan, uh, losing one 0 at Springfield Park. Do you remember the uh, the chance that fell to your right foot? Yes, I have seen it on YouTube. But, uh, my gaff has had, had it up on two, YouTube. He's a massive uh, City fan. It's a swinger. I would have been better off like take, just not bothering, just giving it back to the goalkeeper. Um, yeah, I do. I have seen it on YouTube um, a couple of years ago, only because someone showed it me. Not, not one that you'd watch again by, uh, by choice. <laughs> My right foot was only forever for standing on. It weren't, it weren't the best. Now then, um, just looking at yourself now then, um, obviously you know you left City in, uh, I think 2000, wasn't it? Two, uh, around about uh, 2000. 2000, yeah. And um, how, how do you look back on your career then now? Um, I've got no regrets. I've, I've enjoyed, enjoyed, like, uh, I've done whatever little boy dreams of doing. I've played for my hometown team. Um, 
I played in every league. I played in the Scottish Premier League. I played in the English Premier League. Played played in Wales. I've done I've done everything every little boy dreams of doing. I've, I've lived my I've lived my dream. And what are you up to these days, if you uh, if you don't mind me asking? I'm uh, working in foam concrete at the moment. Um, been doing that for the last couple of years. Once you come out once you come out of football, if you don't go into coaching, and if, even if you do go into coaching, it's not going to guarantee you a job. It's like um, you even you need you even need to know somebody or someone bring you in or this that and the other. It's you don't make it easy for ex-footballers to get into the coaching game. It's, uh, there's a lot of uh, written work and this, that and the other. And, um, written work's not for me. Give me a bag of balls and some bibs I can put on a session. Get me to write it all down. It's not it's not my cup of tea, really. But um, fortunately, my gaffer's a big City fan. Um, I played in the golf, um, golf at Mayfair City in a Legends Day. And obviously my gaffer was there. Got, uh, got talking to him when we played golf offered me a job and the rest is history as they say. I was going to say how do you make that transition from what is you know it's clearly a, a, a huge leap from football to, to kind of building work so what's what's the what's the jump? Well I, I didn't I didn't work for when I retired I retired in um, I think it was 2005 2006 season and obviously you find it difficult to get work once you've retired um, your phone stops ringing People don't want to know you because you're not a footballer anymore. It is, it is a hard life. You can understand why people go into depression. And if you've not got, it's like the footballers nowadays are multi-millionaires, this, that, and the other. You don't have to worry about when they retire or they put money away and they do this, they do that. Um, people that don't make millions and things like that and haven't got any qualifications, it's difficult when you do come out of the game. You don't get that much help from people or I never seem to have got much help. Um, so I battled along. I fell on a job at uh, Lincoln Audi after about two years after I'd been out of the game, and then um, it was last one in, first one out at Audi. I lost my dad, and it just that changed my life completely. Brought me back to Manchester, and um, I like come back to Manchester with two bin bags and started my life again after losing my dad. So is it is it something like kind of like you you had to rebuild again? You had to you had to get back get everything back on track. Yeah, you have to start your life. I've just been reading. I've only just started in the last year or so. I've only just started reading the newspaper again and listening to uh, talk sport radio and things like that and watching football on TV again. I like because I've done it for so long and I fell out the love of it. I tried doing my coaching badges, like I say. They put hurdles in front of you for ex-pro footballers where they, should, they shouldn't be putting hurdles in front of us. They should be trying to get ex-pros to stay in the game and help the youngsters instead of bringing people into the game that can do all the written work. But they've never played in front of 30, 40, 50,000 people, been there, seen it, wore the T-shirt. They're bringing people in that have never played the game, but they can, they can talk the talk because they can write things down on a piece of paper. Um, so yeah, it was a bit... Like I, like I was saying, it's like I've read about Kenny Sampson recently. It's a shame to hear about him. Look at Gaza as well. But I can see where they've gone. It's like when I finished, it was you, you're in the big wide world. You don't know what to do with yourself. You've not got the in the dressing room camaraderie and getting up in the morning, driving to work, knowing you're going to hear stories about the young lads and you're going to have a laugh and a joke with your lad with the lads and have a kick about and do. 
you're doing your job, but you're doing the best thing in the world. You're playing football, you're enjoying yourself. Where now, I'm going to work, I enjoy myself every day. Like I say, losing my dad made me look at life completely different. It changed my life. I can't explain it. But taking my hand off the chapel arrest door just changed my life completely. And now um, you're you're back at you you're working um, building work and everything like that. Are you enjoying that now? Yeah, I love it. Love it to pieces. Go to work every day with a smile on my face. Look forward to work in the morning. Um, work with a bunch of great lads. Um, Gaffer's good as gold. Big city fan. So it's just like being in the football again because the uh, the banter and everything is like is like football banter. Even though my Gaffer's not got the best banter in the world. No, but no, he has. But, um, no, it's, it's like being in a football club again. It's, it's a small, it's a small um, knit company, and we're all together. So the banter flies around all the time. So it's just like being at a football club again. <laughs> <laughs>